Hello and welcome to the For Real podcast. The show discusses music, film, and most importantly, furries. I'm your host Matthew, also known as Hypebeast Dan, and today we have a very peculiar artist and creator with a very peculiar film and album choice as well, which we'll get on soon. It's Papa Boy. Welcome to the show, <laughs> my guy. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, yo, yo, yo. What's good? I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm tired. You're tired. I'm tired. I've and been it's at, all good. Yeah, I've been at work for eight hours since six in the morning. And I'm, I'm ready to try and like project the rest of my energy and then just collapse once I finish this. But it's going to be wonderful. going to have some great conversation about the choices and the stuff that you make. It's going to be great. Have you been up to much today then? Well, I mean, it's morning for you though, isn't it? So. Yeah, it's about 12.47 at the time mm. of this recording. And Damn. I was doing some work around the hotel. I was up pretty yeah. late. Uh, went to bed at about 8 a.m. Woke Ooh, up about shit. an hour ago. Oh man, some some of my mates have like um, sleeping patterns. That's like, oh, I go to sleep like my my flatmate. My flatmate goes to sleep sometimes. It's six in the morning, and he'll wake up at like five p.m. And I just think to myself, sometimes when I hear him at like three in the morning getting a snack or something or getting something to eat, I think someone's fucking like breaking into my house. And I'm like, no, it's just it's just Anderson being awake at this dumbass time. So would you say like? <laughs> Would you say your job, like, messes up your sleep schedule and shit all the time? Because at 8 in the morning, like, going to bed then. Woo. Yeah, it's, it screws around with it pretty big. Mm-hmm. Pretty big. But we make do. That's how it goes. You know, goes. You know got to get that dough, got to get that bread. You know, got to live that life. Yeah, it's, a, exactly, it's a goddamn exactly. pandemic. <laughs> Damn, yeah. How has that affected your job? Is it more difficult, I'm guessing? Yeah, yeah, I got two jobs. Uh, you, you know, less clientele, more uncertainty regarding where the next mm. customer is going to come in from yeah and definitely i got a i got another job as a buster and waiter i've been a barista this summer i've been a Damn. pool hand and all sorts of stuff being all around the <laughs> world all around the world in the in the job prospectus that's fantastic anyway let's um you know let's jump straight right into it uh introduce yourself the kind of stuff you make this is your time to shine go for it so I'm Papa Boy. I am a walking, talking dog man. I supposedly am from Bolivia. No one's quite sure on that. Some say Bolivia. <laughs> uh, of the North, Colombia, as one might call it. Mm. And basically, I just, I see a talking, walking dog man. I'm like, that's cool. What if he had a gun? LA, that's, <laughs> that's really cool. Now let's throw on some unnecessarily loud music, make some edits and after effects. Let's learn Blender. Oh, man, eight hours just got wasted learning this new skill. But that's all right. I'll apply in the next video. Exactly. That's so. See, when I read your application and I checked out your YouTube stuff, I was like, we can just talk shit about editing for ages. And that is exactly what we're going to do because you're the first person on the podcast so far that their main like creative kind of outlet is video editing and like heavily video edits. I'm not talking like hey guys, what's going on kind of vlogs. I'm talking like After Effects, masking, editing, putting fucking loads of random furry shit in videos. I just love it. I loved your stuff and I was like, I really want to talk and discuss that. So yeah. Hey, thank you, man. Mm -hmm. Where would you say, let's start off by saying, where would you say your content lies? Because I think you have a diverse range of videos on your channel, but at the same time, they're all very heavily edited. Like some of them, tackle more like commentary kind of stuff but at the same time some of them are just like pure mind fucks and i love that so much <laughs> truth be told it feels like i lie within no man's land 
Mm -hmm. uh, release a video. Let's just say it this well for my standards. It's not uncommon for me to go through the comments section and you'll see maybe, you know, a 10-year-old kid who just thinks talking dogs are cool. Mm -hmm. You'll find people who don't consider video editing art. You'll find people who are kind of like you. They're like, what the hell? But hey, this is, <laughs> this ain't too bad. And it's just uh, non-furries, furries, like even on the furries versus weaves video that I made a long mm -hmm. time ago, like just people from all age ranges and everywhere, like pe people start arguments in the comments, like whether or not I'm a furry. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I so really you, don't know. Yeah. So you have a diverse, co you have diverse content with a diverse audience, which I guess is nice because it switches it up for the kind of like viewers and it also switches it up and how you can kind of interpret uh, how you portray your art in your videos as well, which is really interesting. I'm just kind of, I'm I'm scrolling for it now because you you haven't made too many videos that's the thing but you have to keep in mind that After Effects personally someone who uses it and I don't even use it to the extent that Popper Boy does because I make like shitty B stars AMVs I don't like track mask all the fucking like furry like like that um you are now watching Popper Boy videos your trailer is incredible so many like things are going on it's it's absolutely insane. And I just can't even imagine how long that would take to make, honestly. Yeah, well, I'm going to give yourself some credit. Like, I've seen it. I've seen what you do. Hey, oh. I actually liked it where the blow came out of the ass. I thought that was Oh, stop it. Stop it. You, stop it. you yeah. give me two. Oh, you want me to stop? Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's okay. So, it's like it's all wretched no vomit. You'll do one thing for a week, and then you'll stop that as you get this other idea, because ADHD is... Is surreal and how in all encompassing it is, mm -hmm. and then you'll come back to that work later on in a few months from that time, and then you'll be able to do it extremely quickly because all the work was done a long time ago. You've yeah. forgotten how long it actually took, so I, yeah. I lose all track in time. I do, yeah. I was telling you how I do this thing where I will work on a idea for a video nonstop for around like, oh, I don't know a week or two but i will work non-stop on it and then i'll get around like 80 percent finished and then i'll just not do it and i won't finish it and I, or i'll hit a hurdle and i'll go right that's it i can't be bothered to work on this shit anymore and i'll either start a new project or a new video or i'll just ignore it completely and just do something else that i enjoy doing which i mean kind of sucks I, I think one thing i'm going to try and do in terms of like creating projects is definitely stick to them I think the podcast is definitely an example of an idea that I've definitely attempted to stick to. But I think the only reason I fully have is because when I released that teaser video, I already had a base amount of people that wanted to watch and listen to this content. And I had a base set audience and I was like, oh shit, people are actually interested in this. Like, I'm going to need to, <laughs> I'm going to actually need to commit. Like, so I had, you know, a few episodes down the line. It's going well. But I definitely do understand that where um, editing takes a lot of time, but as long as you focus on it and you just kind of like set your mind to it and know that you enjoy it. Like it, I find it easier because I enjoy editing and obviously I do it as a degree as well. So it's it's good um, practice for getting used to the kind of skills and techniques that I can apply to my university work as well. So yeah. Yeah, you know, I feel you. I feel you on that. Yeah, definitely. Let's focus on the, the aspect of furries. So you say you're in a weird kind of liminal space in furry stuff where you don't say you're a furry, but you're kind of on the edge. Aren't you? you have a furry character, but you don't have much experience in the furry community. So do you want to elaborate on that a bit? 
It's a very, it's a very wishy-washy, oh, furry community. God, what does that even mean? My yeah. sociology professor, I, I, I asked his ass about furries and internet subculture, and he was just like, dude, all I know were like, what? weeaboos are and that that's my extent i don't go on the internet <laughs> so my professor wasn't any help in that regard aside from the material that we read and dude like the regards to what the furry community actually encompasses whether it's the <laughs> the mentally deranged 3am posting where you're creating conspiracy theories regarding the government but you're all doing it <laughs> while you have dogman avatars or whether you're on the other side of the spectrum and you're like doing the cutesy wootsy very superficial whoa, whoa. like i don't i don't know where it where it ends or where it begins because what is a furry community it's like oh it's like you think you think talking animal people are cool and it's like all right mm-hmm. yeah talking animal people are cool it's mickey mouse a furry mm-hmm. i don't know but um yeah to me i think you're a furry if you are if you say you're a furry Everybody enjoys anthropomorphic animals from time to time. I mean, if you like Disney films that have those kind of animals, you are actively enjoying those animals. It's just more taking it to the next level of being engaged in a community that solely focuses on that aspect of creativity and like art. So definitely, that's a it's a it's a, it is a middle ground, and I do kind of see where you're coming from. So the dog that you use in your profile picture for the YouTube and the the in the dog that you use kind of in a lot of your videos is that your sona or is that just a dog it's just a random dog you know that you're just chilling with for simplicity's sake i just always say yes my sona mm-hmm. but if anyone ever asks for more in-depth explanation i tell them what it is that's fair that's fair so 4.65k subs how long have you been doing youtube for then to kind of gain that i mean four four thousand over four thousand people is still a good amount that's a that's a high amount of subscribers, in my opinion. So, how long have you been doing YouTube for then? I've had the account since 2008, mm-hmm. but really, I've been doing YouTube since January of 2018. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's cool. How um, how did you kind of get in editing and stuff? Did you did you just kind of look at other creators, or was it something that you just kind of stumbled upon yourself in terms of interest? I stumbled upon it because of VR chat, mm. the Norwegian people. And loads and loads of free time at university. Oh, that's fair. I I wish I had a lot of free time at university, but sadly I don't, which kind of sucks. But I mean, like I said, a lot of the stuff that I do in my spare time, like editing, can be applied to my degree anyway. So I can kind of integrate it and it's nice. So yeah. What is your most favorite video that you've made, would you say? Oh, geez. It's like asking an actor, what's the... <laughs> favorite movie they ever did shoot i enlisted a lot of videos a lot of mm-hmm. videos i have over 200 on my account but only like 20 or yeah. visible or something um mm-hmm. i have different favorite ones for different reasons um i i'm the one that voice no i didn't voice it my friend sugar cubes did i mean uh, uh oopsie whoopsie uh, i made that mm-hmm. meme voice thing uh, i actually made it when i was Eight minutes late for class. I still remember that. I was walking out the door. <laughs> and then I was thinking, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. No one's done this meme ID yet. So I, ru- I rushed back to the computer and I did it and uploaded it. And I was like, oh, man, we're going to get 500 views. It's going to be epic. And then it ended up getting over 400,000. So now it's like I unlisted it because I didn't want to be the guy that just screams the same thing over and over. And people Yo, that's come mad. Channel. That's not on your YouTube channel, though. So have you took that down or is it just on a different channel? It's just unlisted. Unlisted. That's fair enough. 
Uh, that's my most memorable, but I guess my favorite would be any of the VR chat videos, which mm-hmm. I think I also enlisted. Because I mean, you get you take VR chat and then you essentially make it a. It's 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 hard to explain because it's like a it's a, it's a VR chat video, but you just heavily edit and it looks so fucking cool. And I just love it so much. It's really really interesting. What's your kind of thought process behind it? Because going back to the you and I watching Popper Boy video that I watched when I first went on your channel. I just thought to myself, how can somebody make up such a weird video with so many elements and so many characters? Like, what's your thought process behind your videos? Like, I, it, it baffles me, honestly. <laughs> that's, that's too kind of you to say there, I say. But really, it's just, you know, you, you're, you're a dude on the internet. You got friends across the world. You got Yizzle in Israel. You got Dajun in Namibia. You got... Liron, Curl, and Brazil, you know, you got boys all around the world. You got a little bit of time when you get home from work and you're tired. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ADHD, being tired, which I'm sure you're familiar with, at yeah. least in this moment. It, you're just like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if this dude farted on the microphone and then Margaret <laughs> Thatcher popped out of the corner? Like, it just, yeah, whatever happens. <laughs> you just let it flow. Let it flow. And if you don't like it, you just you scrap that and you see what else can happen. Mm-hmm. Are there any uh, content creators and YouTubers you look up to for inspiration per se, or any kind of ideas that you look at? Because it kind of gave me vibes of this guy called was he called like Syriac or some shit on YouTube? He did some like weird ass like edits and weird ass kind of videos, and it reminded me of that in a sense, but more of a like more of a furry kind of cartoony twist on it. So, is there any YouTubers that you personally look up to for kind of inspiration? I've heard the Syria comparison before. Oh, have you? Um, mm-hmm. I have. Yeah, I, I never watched too much of them, but mm-hmm. I did like him on Jordan. Uh, people, truth be told, I, I typically watch history, engineering, stuff like that on YouTube because I typically just put YouTube on and listen to it while I'm doing work around the work, hotel yeah. or maybe while I'm as a busser. But regarding inspiration specifically, not what I usually consume. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of James Lee? I haven't. James Lee. Yeah. Uh, he's a trip he's a trip oh, okay he... yeah i'm seeing some <laughs> yes i've seen the i've seen the breaking up with adobe video i've seen that that's a really good video that's yeah. uh, and i thinking back to how that video is i can definitely see the kind of link to that so very interesting very like heavily edited um kind of discussion videos as well which is similar to so like kind of similar to your content as well so that's cool <laughs> this is surreal i've never had anyone ask me this much information about my youtube channel this is honestly well no, it's, it's you this, this is all yeah no worries this is all about you this is all about your content it's nice it's just a nice little <laughs> relaxing discussion this is a more laid-back episode i gotta say compared to me being like woo let's go i'm just more like let's just take it back a bit talk about some videos and stuff well, I mean, talk yeah, about some you know, we're humans yeah. we got problems we got ups and downs uh most of us poop i don't know about all of us most of us do it's just you know people are people we, so we dog people we're, and we're just vibing we are exactly fully fully just people. vibing i mean in terms of uh editing and all that how long would you say the your videos may take to make does it kind of fluctuate in terms of how long it takes oh yeah it's as varied as the climate system on in the world you cannot <laughs> in the world you, you call it 
I'm not even going to try to say that. I'm going to talk. It's extremely varied. Mm-hmm. We'll say that. It's extremely yeah. varied. Uh, this one that I'm making right now, I'm, I'm redoing the art styles video, finding your art style. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've made an announcement on a Discord server saying, hey, give me your PNG. I'm talking to multiple people, artists I look up to, artists that are smaller than me, artists who are in the same size as me, people mm-hmm. who are not artists at all. They're just someone who I thought, hey, that's cool. Let me let me have your PNG. I'd love yeah. to edit it. Uh, it, it it's... Sometimes it can take a day. I've made a video in less than six hours. And Ooh. another video like this one probably sunk about 200 hours into 200 it so far. hours. No way. That's my, that is insane to me. Because even with my edits, I do not spend that much time on uh, stuff like that. I find long edits really tedious. And like I said, I'll just you know fixate on it and do like fucking 100 hours on it and then i'll go all right you know what i'm bored of this i'll just start working on something else i think i swear i have like eight unreleased projects like genuinely like i have eight unfinished unreleased projects that i need to finish but i which i will get around to but for now i'm focused on the podcast you know that's what i want to do you know you know which well, wait which one which 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 project uh what do you say is the one you look most forward to finishing uh, definitely the Beastars AMV. I think the Beastars AMV is uh, kind of the edit that I... I'll put a little preview of it on the screen for everybody on YouTube. Just a little bit of a sneak peek, only like 5-10 seconds. I worked really hard on this, and I think it's a pinnacle of how my After Effects skills have improved over the past, like, what, two or three years. And I think it is kind of my crowning achievement of AMVs. But I got really annoyed that, like, this green screen masking thing on, like, Haru's eye at the end didn't fucking work. And it wouldn't, despite me doing it all correctly, just wouldn't fucking work. So then I was like, oh, no, you know what, screw this. I'm not going to finish it. I'm just getting really, like, frustrated. Because I've tried to learn when it comes to editing, when it comes to playing video games, when it comes to doing anything. When I stop having fun and I stop, when when I start getting frustrated and annoyed, I, like, take a break. I'll stop because... I'm supposed to enjoy, like, this is my spare time that I'm kind of using to make all this, like, work and to do all these, like, creative things. And if I'm getting annoyed, like, I'll just take a break. And that's the best thing to do when it comes to creating good stuff because I used to not do that. And it got to a point where I would, it would be, like, one in the morning, I would have finished a project and I'd be like, that part's slightly off. And I will just get really annoyed at that slight thing being off because I've worked on it for fucking six hours straight in like little things when you start editing i'm sure you know when you start editing for that long you get pissed off at like the tiniest things or like if something doesn't work because you're just tired and you've worked really hard on something so take breaks as anybody does anything just take breaks and you get refreshed straight away i had a um situation where i was get really struggling on editing a specific part of an amv and then i went to bed and woke up next day just did it like first try i say that is like it's a video game but like sometimes like after effects since it's fucking stupid it won't do what you want it to do so and then it'll just suddenly work the next day so sometimes it's just <laughs> nice to take a break if you know what i mean i 100 feel it. it's important to take a break it's important you don't do your work as well as you could when mm. you don't take breaks. yeah i mean you gotta have discipline absolutely but if, if you're working on the same composition that you were two hours ago because you just can't get his eye socket right and there's just something wrong about the color gradient yeah oh, listen, take a break yeah, exactly. You're, you're, yeah. Let's completely flip the conversation. So, fairy community, fairy fandom, in a sense. You, like like we were saying before, uh, you just don't kind of 
be you're not much involved in that you're just more involved in your creative work is that something that you couldn't see experiencing in the future potentially going to conventions or doing anything like that or do you think are you just going to stick to dog person making weird as fuck videos that are like trippy is that is that what you're sticking to what do you think i mean truth be told i'm not opposed or in mm-hmm. preference of either one yeah. i fell into papa boy and now it's i mean depending on who you ask i could be involved with the furry fandom every single day there are schmucks in my server who like to scream this is actually a furry server papa <laughs> by the way and it's like, and then you have the non other non furries come in who argue with them. And it's just I always hear contrasts of voices and different mm-hmm. opinions. And at the end of the day, it's like regardless of what the furry fandom is or isn't, it's like I mean, I'm just, yeah. I'm just doing my thing, and whatever happens, happens. So vibe, maybe, yeah. yeah. See, that's what I did for a solid like two, three years. I just had this dog guy that just kind of resembled me slightly, and I was like, I just vibe with this. I didn't do anything with it. But I was just like, sometimes I would, because this was when like Snapchat stickers came up and it was like Snapchat stickers were like this thing where you could, oh, I don't know, it was hard to explain. It was like when I was 16, 17, like Snapchat stickers were a thing where you could like highlight, imagine like highlighting somebody's face on Snapchat stickers and it becomes a sticker and you can just paste it. I did that for the drawings I did in my guy and I would just put it in like random photos and that was like my little like sticker was my guy and I didn't do anything more than that. It was just more of a lol dog version of me. And it's just like that was it, but now yeah. now it's something way more than that. Obviously, because I'm I'm part of this very community and I get commissions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I do think it's something I've said this in a previous episode. It's something that I gradually kind of learned to accept over time, definitely as well. But I mean, it's nothing bad at all. I love being a furry. I love uh, talking to so many interesting creators and interesting people with weird ass and cool fucking personas. So you know, it's just a vibe, isn't it? It's really such a vibe. Yeah, I mean, it really is just a vibe. If someone calls me a furry, I, I can't call them out on that. <laughs> I mean, I can't really, I can't call them out on that, so I'll just take it. But if someone says I'm not a furry, it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a preference on it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's dope, though, that you can encapsulate, not encapsulate, that's a strong word. You can represent, there you go, you can represent mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah on the internet without actually having to put your face out there Mm because it's scary you know putting your actual face out there Mm because once it's out there boom that's it but but this character that you project it's like a it's like a surrogate of yourself yeah and it it is interesting to kind of think of it that way as well when it comes to you do what do you study at university bullshit (laughs) (laughs) man i've partied too hard Uh, i'm a i was a his i was a business major okay studying spanish and portuguese then i moved on to history and linguistics oh interesting so um because of that you you do history in linguistics which is completely contrasting the kind of video editing work you do is history and linguistics something you want to pursue as a career or like a similar kind of job including those or do you think video editing could potentially be something that you pursue is more of a kind of career or job prospect because you you do commissions don't you You do editing commissions from time to time i do i do do i I mean yeah i do do. tired (laughs) dog i I do 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 do. Uh, my mind is fried my i do there's no getting around it. I do do <laughs> commissions, and I actually have them cons- like uh, f- eternally 
closed, but I still get some people who come in and say, hey, can I have a commission? Mm -hmm. And I just have them closed because I'm always trying to work on my other videos yeah. so that the people that do come in, it's uh, it's very light, very small traffic. Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, you know, I could fit you in here. Mm -hmm. And regarding what I actually want to do, that's a good-ass question. My family is asking me, my my hermana, my, my brother, like, they're all asking me, it's like, what are you going to do, what are you going to do, what are you going to do? I was like, you know, that's a goddamn good question. I'll let you know when I know. Like, <laughs> I mean, you got plenty of time. Uh, you got plenty of time to decide. Oh, yeah, I got time. But uh, time is limited. I mean, they, not, I mean, it's not like I'm going to walk onto the street and I'm going to get void by a politician <laughs> tomorrow. Probably not. I don't know. The world's crazy in 2020. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. But really, I mean, I'm not against... I guess it's the same perspective as I have towards the furry fan. I'm not against it. Uh, I'm not, like, actively mm -hmm. pursuing it either. Just, like, whatever happens, happens. I have a... I have a proposition from a dude we call him colin moneymaker he's in new york city right now i think it might be based in maryland because of the pandemic but he's like mm -hmm. finish university schmuck and we'll set you up with a bitch job which would just be an internship at a editing studio but they don't have Ooh. access to things like houdini uh, the full version of nuke all that stuff and mm -hmm. um, that'd be pretty cool to work on i also have an opportunity to go into master's work and finish up my history and looking at my gpa that's probably less likely because <laughs> i was a frat boy oh, i'm sure i'm sure you'd be fine come on frat boy yeah, really pop boy, boy frat boy god damn chad moment oh, chad? bro like people <laughs> i'm if i can just say i'm and uh, this is toot my own horn but if this is going to be about me then this is my moment say it I'm not a model, yeah. but you don't have to be a model okay. to be decent. But every single time that I post my face for the first time, uh, when people see it, they're like, what the fuck? And you're a furry? It's just like, I'm tired. What is that <laughs> no, even No, I mean, totally bro? get that. I totally get that. I totally get Yeah, it's like you're a good-looking cat. I see you on Twitter. You post pictures of yourself. I'm like, damn, look at that curly hair. It's like, it's a good flow. It's a good look. Because I had somebody, I when I used to talk to people about being a furry, I used to only tell people when I was like really fucking drunk and I told somebody and the everybody's been really nice about it, one of the most awkward situations uh, situations one of the most awkward replies was like you don't look like one I'm like well, what the fuck is that exactly, supposed to mean it's like a, and I'm like what the fuck is that supposed to mean and also, I totally get that I totally totally get yeah, that it's like you that expect me to walk up to you and I got Cheetos on my hands and I'm a fat lard <laughs> <laughs> It's such a dumb, it's such a dumb fucking stereotype. Fairies come in all shapes, sizes, backgrounds. It you don't. It's so dumb to think that all of them are just like fat low lives because that isn't the case. And it's not very nice to think that too. Like everybody, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like as long as you're passionate about something and you're passionate about being a fairy. Like who gives a shit? Just vibe and enjoy it. So I didn't really say anything to that person when they said that, but I was a little bit like. I mean, that's just a little bit passive aggressive, so... But I totally, totally fucking get that, like, 100%. Yeah, and, it's, and that's something also I struggle with, which is, actually, I can mm -hmm. route that to art, too, is that it's it's a moment where your ego has a moment to take over, mm -hmm. because, I, because then I know that I can, like, show people what I look like, and that'll give me a step up, so to speak, but it's like, that's not what, mm -hmm. that's not what it's about. It's about getting better at art. It's not about the yeah. vanity. Because, you know, you go on Twitter oh, yeah, and you not. see all these people sharing pictures of themselves, which is good. I'm all about body positivity. 
I mean, I, I'm all about, I, the thing is, you say that, but like, motherfucker, I do that all the time. I'm like, look at this photo of me. I look cool. <laughs> but I mean, it's just a bit more like self-love kind of thing, you know. It's not really like, everybody look at me and look how amazing I look. I'm just more like, you know, I'm vibing today. Anyway, continue. Sorry, no, you're fine. Sorry. I, I yeah, should specify. People- uh, part of it is that I'm tired. But you're right. No, um, it's, it's more so... <sighs> Not vanity in the sense of look at how attractive I am, but more so in the sense of gaze upon me. Like, I'm sure you're familiar with there's yeah. certain first suitors who always make the rounds in Twitter drama, furry fandom, whatever. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, there's yeah. this one dude, he's got tons and tons of cars, and I think it was the same dude that drove a tank, and there was, but people just hate on him because he's always flaunting his wealth. And not commenting on that exactly, but that is an example of it. It's just um, mm-hmm. presenting what you have rather than what you are. Yeah, I think there's like a there's a bar, and obviously it's nice to be happy for yourself, and be confident with who you are in the kind of stuff you're interested in. Absolutely. But I think there's a bar where it goes from I'm confident with what I'm doing to I'm putting my hand up like is is if you can fucking see this, but I like <laughs> um, it's go it goes from I am confident with what I'm interested in who I am as a person to. I am better than everybody else. And that's when I start being like, yo, let's fucking tone it down a bit. Because like, I don't know, I don't want to get negative on the podcast. But like, one of the most, one of the people I, like people in life I fucking hate the most are people that think they're absolutely legendary when they're just not. And they're just like so full of themselves. But that that's like a completely different thing. But oh yeah, simple. I totally shit. get that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just dumb. A uh, pure example of somebody in like celebrity land, in music land, that's like that. Jaden fucking Smith. Jaden Smith, I love your music. And you're, yeah, I, well, I don't love your music. I, I, I like it. It's, it's, it's pretty good. But you, you're just so full of yourself. You're so full of yourself, Jaden. I hope you're listening to this fairy podcast. <laughs> if you are listening to this fairy podcast, please to- tone down the ego. And I'm sure your music will come out better as well if you tone down the ego. Because he thinks he's like a fucking messiah. Your dad's cool. I love his music, but yeah. Uh, yeah, your dad's cool. Your dad's a vibe, but I mean, dog, I just gotta gotta say, like, I love your music, man, but just, I just, I just can't stand your personality. You're just so fucking egotistical and obnoxious. There's like a genius video where it's like, I made Icon because I am an Icon. I see myself up there with Jimi Hendrix. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <clears throat> Like Will Smith's song. Oh, man. You're, you're like the, you're the Kid and Karate Kid remake. I mean, which is a good, pretty good film, but... Can't say I never saw it. <sighs> you haven't seen the Karate Kid remake? Nah, I've never With seen Jackie Chan? So fucking based. It's just... It's <laughs> awful. It's awful. But uh, it's like... It's a, it's a it's a film that I've like watched like a good good few times. Anyway, let's, uh, you know, segue from that. Yeah. Um, segue from the gossip. From what, what's up next? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean... We've talked for over like half an hour now, so we should move on to the album choice for this week, which is uh, Plastic Beach by Gorillaz. Fun fact about this album. uh, This was my first ever vinyl record that I bought. So there you go, that's something. So... Why did you choose Plastic Beach in particular? What what was it about Plastic Beach that you well said I want to talk about this on the podcast? Half of it is that it is one of the few albums that I've ever actually sat down and just listened all the way through. I'm a very uh-huh. eclectic person. I'll yeah. just put on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Napster, whatever. 
and i'll just Dog. let it rip through the random yeah. but when it released in 2010 i was in eighth grade and i remember seeing it on the Ooh, dumb. heavy ass lcd flat screen tv that was probably way more expensive than it was worth and i was like oh my god look at those graphics that 3d clutter <laughs> and it's just it blew my mind and like the lore with 2d and noodles and like she like she would get inside russell's mouth and was like oh my god it's yeah. a submarine and all that, and all that. And I was not only the visuals, but the music too, because you know you had Snoop Snoop Doggy Dog rapping in the intro, and then mm-hmm. you had the orchestral symphonic symposium in the beginning as well, and then you also had just the this melancholic, yeah. like she yeah melancholy hill. It's literally the name. Just Mel- like, yeah, it goes all over the place. Is melancholic. Uh, obviously, I gave this a re-listen to because I listened to it before. Uh, I used to be a massive, massive Gorillaz fan back when I was like maybe sixteen. I listen to Plastic Beach, I listen to Demon Days. I do think Demon Days is still my favorite record of them, which I talked about on a episode, uh, a few few episodes prior with Crunchy Shark. But Demon Days, I think I'm quite biased to Demon Days because it has the future of uh, MF Doom. But Plastic Beach, I think, has a more set aesthetic, and I do love that. It feels like a set album. And I do remember finding the beginning of the record very... Well, not, not boring, but just, like, I didn't really enjoy it. Orchestral intro to, like, White Flag. I didn't like any, like, those three songs. Not, like, I hated them, but just I didn't vibe with them too much. Uh, after re-listening, I do have a bit more of a newfound appreciation for them, but they're still not as good as some other specific songs on the album. So what would you say is your favorite on the album? Rhinestone Eyes, hands down. Rhinestone Eyes, but you're fantastic. The when it when it goes in when it goes in like I don't know when it, it well I don't know like the exact timestamp but you know the part I'm on about doing oh no, no that, maybe that's a maybe that's a different one I'm trying to think maybe that's Empire Ants maybe it's Empire Ants that goes really in what's the one that's like oh joys are us the sun has come again or whatever the fuck that's Empire Ants in it I think it, so it, I don't yeah why but there's it well there's a there's a there's a not a beat switch but there's a kind of like a, a the beat kicks in. An Empire Ants at a certain time, but Rhinestone Eyes is also well. I mean, you can also say the same thing for Rhinestone Eyes because that's the one that's like um, the weird ass like is it, is it is it a synth? Do you know what I mean? It's like the keyboardy kind of. Which one, Rhinestone? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know that's what, yeah. the exact one. Yeah, I love that. And with Rhinestone Eyes um, and Empire Ants, they both had. I don't know if you've seen, but they both had like storyboard. Uh, music videos for them i think and they yeah. looked absolutely beautiful do you I see the fan made so one much. that they redid i think that i think i think that's the one i'm on about i don't think oh it's an official God. one i think it might be a fan made one it's fantastic it's beautiful God. yeah it's fantastic talk about tenacity that's what mm-hmm. i'm saying it's not about talent it's about tenacity mm-hmm. that's what gets you through motivation is yeah. beautiful but it's fleeting discipline that's what gets you through. <laughs> that's what makes the cut my favorite song on the album by far is Super Fast Jellyfish. I remember listening to Super Fast <laughs> Jellyfish nice. on fucking repeat uh, when when I first started listening to the album. Fantastic. I love the intro. It like sounds like an old like kids serial TV commercial and then it just goes in, the rap comes in and then and then it has like the chorus of Super Fast, Super Fast. I love it. So good. 
fantastic song. The tone. I forget. I forget the exact rapper's name. The same one who did Clint Eastwood in the 2000 album. But just the mm. moment he says prepackages of frosted delights. Just delight, like, yeah. Comes the toy. I like that. It's good yeah, shit. It's it so good. good. I love it. Good. Trying to think of it. There's so many solid picks on this album. It's a very, very good album, and I can see why. For a lot of Gorillaz fans, this is their favorite Gorillaz album. Definitely. I think the the only reason I, apart from the MF Doom song on Demon Days, I compare um, that I prefer that is just like nostalgia factor. I remember listening to, even though I got into Gorillaz obviously a few years ago, like properly, I do remember listening to Demon Days more kind of throughout my childhood. I remember being really scared of the Feel Good Inc., um music video because i was like five when that song came out so like scared the shit i mean i remember being on tv and i mean like really scared anyway enough about demon days um <laughs> i think the self-titled is really nice as well the i'm trying to like describe specific parts of the album you will know exactly what i mean when when if you've listened to this record which i hope you have in preparation for the podcast but there's just so much you can talk about i think uh Broken is kind of an underrated song. I think Broken's a fantastic song on the album. Very relaxing, very slow, um, which is nice. Is there any other ones that you kind of kind of stands out for you? I get, maybe these stems from the fact that I'm a history major. I've always kind of separate things into different categories for yeah. what they represent. But if we're just talking like off the bat, probably other than Rhinestone Eyes, the ones that I find myself going back to is always the Glitter Freeze because of the SOS. The, they're actually spelling mm. out in Morse code the name of the album, Plastic Beach. You might have known oh, that already. Oh, shit. Yeah, because it's, it's got that at the start. Um, like, where's North from here? And then it yeah. goes like... Yeah. That's fantastic. Hey, Morse code's actually really easy to pick up. Uh, if you're going to be in pandemic for much longer and you're twiddling your thumbs, maybe, maybe pick it up. Uh, I don't know whenever you would use it, but maybe you would one day. Uh, it's just Damn. little things like that uh, and more of the songs are not there are always these little touches like that that mm-hmm. self-reference other moments either in the album itself or from the lore of years past or even alluding to something mm-hmm. um, like <laughs> on the storyboards for rhinestone eyes you have the four horsemen the uh, of the apocalypse and yes. those were references towards what was to come regarding Murdoch's uh, transgressions against mm-hmm. the music industry. And then you just had other cool things like Snoop Dogg holding the gun. That's always fun. Uh, I don't know. Just I, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to pick now that I actually think about it. Because Rhinestone yeah. Eyes was just always there because I always thought it was cool. But then the rest of them, it, it, I just let it flow. Uh, I'll just mm-hmm. play the album once in a blue moon and then maybe i'm listening to stylo yeah and i'll just listen to that Sty- stylo is so good um like you've got like the the kind of that that keyboardy like bing, bing, and then you've got like the when it goes like is it love is it electric so good so good like the the is it bobby womack that's on that um maybe is, that, is it is it his vocals or maybe um that's a good question so, I don't know. yeah but it's just overall a, and we haven't even talked about the um the kind of most popular song of the album on melancholy hill which is obviously a lovely lovely song i do find that song a tiny bit repetitive and i do think it doesn't provide the same unique 
kind of lyricism and uh, production as some of the other songs on the album, but it's still a really good song. Like, don't get me wrong, I love it. But um, I do think it isn't the best song on the album, but it's still great. It is and good. I, think that's I don't the, think yeah. it's the best and one I, you've done on the album. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. It's like the worst song, the, the quote-unquote worst songs on this album like aren't even bad. Like They're, they're, they're still good. It all, also, in terms of talking about messages and like how obviously um gorillas have a lot of law because they're obviously a virtual band that like it's obviously they've created these characters um based on just like these fucking weird ass like gorilla like people who have <laughs> went for a story throughout all their albums and this is no exception i do think uh plastic beach's story and everything behind the album is the record that i remember the most in terms of story and it also has an underlying message about about the environment as well. I'm pretty sure because it's about like plastic beach, you know. I'm pretty sure. So I'd read something about it anyway, at least that it was um kind of vibing of that as well. I've always somewhat imagined that, but I never looked into that. The other mm-hmm. point that yeah. does just seem something gorillas would do. Yeah, I do also remember really liking the song uh, "To Binge" with Little Dragon. That again, similar uh, vibes to Broken, where it's a more relaxed, like, ballady kind of thing. And it's just, it is really, really nice. And I do like an album that, obviously, I was talking about other albums on the podcast about sometimes, even though I do like a solid concept for a record, and I do like songs sounding similar because it shows that it's one set piece of art, sometimes it does get a little bit too similar and too samey. But I love how Plastic Beach maintains an aesthetic, but Every single song is unique with um, the, and it isn't, every single song's unique and different. And also the futures, I think what Humans Got Wrong, uh, Humans is another album by Gorillaz. What Humans Got Wrong is that there was so many futures and I don't think the futures were implemented really well in the tracks and they weren't thought about, but I think every single future in, or at least most, if not all the futures in Plastic Beach are implemented in songs perfectly the singer or the artist fits that song perfectly and the lyrics that they sing are perfect and all the production that they like you know apply to the song is really really good so just overall really well structured solid album i love it so much it's fantastic i'm gonna listen to more gorillas now because I, I went off them but now i'm gonna go, go back on them <laughs> no it's all good it's mm-hmm. good to hear someone's perspective on yeah my friend Anderson, well, my flatmate, he just bangs on about fucking listening to Song Machine all the time. He's like, Song Machine season one's so good. And I'm like, oh, it's not even... He's like, so good, bro. Listen to it. And I'm like, mm, it's not really my thing. I, I, that's what I'm talking about. I was like, pl- gorillas aren't my thing too much. But I think they will stop to become my thing again. Because it does get a little bit boring when I just constantly just listen to experimental hip hop. It just gets all samey sometimes. And I do need to broaden my music taste maybe a little bit more. I was looking at my topster that I made like a few weeks ago and I was like, oh my fucking God, it's just like 80% rap. And that is bad. <laughs> so I definitely want to expand my music taste. And again, that, again, I've said this so many times on the podcast, but this is what the podcast is about, is introducing not only introducing me to new music, but bringing me back to music I used to be really into that I can kind of have another like retrospect um yeah. discussion about so yeah obviously you were saying you listened to it when you were in like grade school 
Did you ever listen to any of the other albums before that? Did you listen to Demon Days and stuff? Or was Plastic Beach your introduction to uh, Gorilla's discography and there's a band? I mean, Gorilla's Plastic Beach was the first one that really got me into Mm -hmm. the lore and everything of it. But, I mean, I'm I'm the oldest of Gen Z. I'm 24. One of my memories is hearing my brother on the radio play Mm. 192000. And oh, that's such a tune! I remember, yeah. Like it was everywhere. I remember maybe mm-hmm. it was two thousand two when I first heard it, but I was only mm-hmm. six at the time. I was a young pup, and I was like, "Oh, what? What is this?" And my brother's <laughs> like, "Well, you know, baby, it's, it's gorillas." And so you played in the car when I was uh, bumping mm-hmm. around with him. And my favorite, yeah, my favorite song on the self-titled, which has nineteen two thousand on it, is Daphne tomorrow comes today and i probably tomorrow comes today is probably my favorite gorilla song ever it's fantastic it's a I fantastic love it. song yeah overall gorillas always have a solid discography despite a few shortcomings and <clears throat> humans but their recent stuff seems really intriguing really well made and i do think song machine i even though i haven't listened to it back to front yet or front to back whatever the fuck um it's similar to plastic beach in a sense that the futures there's a lot of futures but apparently they're all used in a way that enhances the likability and the listenable kind of nature of each of the songs, and it makes them enjoyable, which is what I want to see, which isn't what humans did. So, fuck humans, all my humans hate humans. There's going to be some guy that's like, humans is my favorite Gorillaz album, what are you talking about? And I'll be like, oh, come on, man, it's like dumb, it's shit, it's awful. It's not awful, it's like a, probably give it like a 4 out of 10 or something. It was just really disappointing because it was the first record that they released after plastic beach and it was just so disappointing to me the singles that they released for it were great but then all the other it's so long it's fucking like i mean it's an hour and nine but there's like so many songs in it it's weird but yeah humans strictly regarding its musical qu- uh, qualities it, it, it left me hanging i was mm-hmm. to say that yeah anyway we talked so much about gorillas talked so much about plastic beach if you haven't listened to the album for the podcast, definitely give this one a listen. This is a solid recommendation from me as somebody who used to be a big Gorillaz fan and somebody who's came back to listen to this album. Fantastic album and definitely listen to it. And on that note, we will move on to the film choice of this week, which was A Razorhead, directed by David Lynch. dog this film was fucking weird why did you pick it please explain why you picked it i mean it wasn't bad it wasn't bad it was great it's not bad it's not bad bad. fucking i was watching this and being like what is going on this dude's head that picked this for a podcast so let's 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 dive into that why why did you decide to choose this film for the podcast all right so true i mean in in retrospective, I feel like that word's going to pop up a lot more now that you said it. <laughs> but in retrospective, when I was setting up for your collection service on Google Forms or whatever, oh, you Forms, asked yeah. for a movie. And I was like, hmm, Sister of Traveling Pants? No, I've talked about that enough already. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, and I'm like, what's a movie that's like, it doesn't have to be like your favorite movie, just one that mm-hmm. like sticks out. And I was like, yeah. hmm. Racerhead fits that. I don't hate it. I don't even necessarily dislike it because I've watched it more than once. And so I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, we could explore that. Why not? Racerhead. It sure does stick with you. It sure does stick out. Um, if people don't know for context, 
Uh, this this film is directed by David Lynch. Now, I'm a massive, massive Twin Peaks fan. Twin Peaks is one of my fav- favorite TV shows of all time. Fantastically made. And that's directed by David Lynch as well. And there is a kind of sense of, I watched A Razor Head. And I was like, I can tell this is directed by David fucking Lynch. I really, really can. And that's not a bad thing. Definitely not a bad thing. But it does have a sense of going beyond the set, the kind of elements of weird. Yeah, like super seasonal. Yeah, exactly. Now, I just remember sitting and watching this film in like every like five minutes. I'd be like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm not going to lie, I did do a little bit of... I did cheat a little bit when discussing this film because I did look up... After I watched it, I looked up a... Wiki, like I went on the Wikipedia and I looked at the plot description. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's what that was. Like, I didn't even realize that there was a... That woman was in the fucking radiator. I didn't know she lived in the radiator. Like, that's so weird. <laughs> that, I, what? I, what goes through that man's head to think, <laughs> oh, yeah, let's have a character, like, living in a radiator that, like squishes weird aliens with their feet and I was just like what the fuck is going on something I want to discuss before we go deep into the film is I saw a comment from because I was watching scenes of it on YouTube and I saw this comment that was like this is true horror and I hate when people say that shit especially when it's like this is true cinema because to me true cinema just doesn't fucking exist like true cinema People say, people watch, like, I don't know, Jurassic Park and be like, this is true cinema. Like, no, it's true cinema in your eyes, but true cinema in other someone else's eyes might be like Alvin and the Chipmunks 2, the squeakquel. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cinema and film is so subjective. And I'm not saying, like, Alvin and the Chipmunks 2, the squeakquel is true cinema because it isn't, obviously. But it was just a funny example. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is film is subjective. You can have classics. You can have classic films. But this, this idea of true cinema, cinema that is you know, kino, you know, film art, like, like you know, all that rubbish is, I think that's subjective because my idea of something being true cinema is going to be different to somebody else's true cinema and that inherently doesn't make it true end or end or cinema. And I mean, you can say the same thing for classics, but that's a complete, I don't want to go on about this too much, but there, that is my take on that comment bugging me about saying <laughs> this is true horror. Because I mean, true horror might be some like some someone might watch Midsummer if you see Midsummer, Mid, Midsummer directed by Ari Aster, and no, say that is this is true horror. It, but then somebody else might be like, the entire thing's set in the daytime. How the fuck can it be horror? And it's like, it's just different. Everybody has different opinions. True horror. I know it might be true horror in your eyes, and that's fine. But to me, that it, it isn't true horror because I don't think I was scared by it. But it just made me feel weird and uneasy, definitely. And I do think that is an element of a horror. So how did this film... If I don't know if you watched it recently or obviously you've watched it a few times. Because I feel like I've talked a shit ton. How <laughs> how did it make you feel? Did it scare you or did it just make you feel really weird? Were you just like, what is going on? When I saw Razorhead for the first time, I was... I couldn't have been any older than 14. Um, mm-hmm. When you're 14, you know... You're, you're kind of a dumbass in several ways. You're not stupid, yeah. but you're kind of a moron. And I was, I still kind of am a moron. So I kind of have the same <laughs> perspective to it now as I did then. As when I first saw it, I had like just finished watching Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And I popped okay, it in. Okay, cool. Because I bought it off Amazon.com. Because I was like, oh, nice. that's cool. My, my friend from 
uh, down the street, and he was a massive 4chan user and like all that stuff back in 2011. And he was like, "Oh man, you gotta watch Razorhead. It's so crazy!" Ah, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, sure, whatever, man." And so I, I watched it, and it was just simultaneous not repulsing that's too strong of a word it was simultaneously making me want to stop watching it but also consistently more immersed yeah. into it yeah. because it if, if trying to describe it, that yeah. film is like me trying to figure out what the hell i'm doing with my stuff it's like a, a, a surreal fever dream it's what you put into it is what you get out of it and you can say that about anything even postmodernist art but it's just like when he cuts open the baby and it's organ, it just blasts oh, yeah. out, and, and it's like, and then it just, then it just starts like expanding and shit. I do have, I'm, I'm gonna look. I, you can hear my pages, you know. I do have uh, some of my notes for uni when I did uh, look at horror, and there is a theory to that about like horror makes us feel uneasy and scared a little bit, but it's the idea of being scared or being like feeling weird and grossed out that makes us engage with it more it's it's like the i don't know i'll see if i can find it it's it's i think it's called like the paradox of yeah because it's like the paradox of horror it's like a no it's a theory with noel carroll it's like a universe like the universal theory horror attracts because anomalies demand attention and elicit curiosity and that's exactly what it is i feel i i did feel engaged with the film but I was engaged with the film because I wanted to see how weird it could get. And, like, how can you top this? Because at first, when that baby, when, when the baby was first appeared, I was like, what the fuck is that thing? <laughs> so talk and then it got, and then it, and it got, yeah, and it got even worse. And I was like, what is going on? I do feel it was weird. In terms of the pacing, the pacing was really, I can't describe it. It was, I feel like nothing happened or, like, minimal happened in the space of an hour and 40 or, or like, no, it's not an hour and 40, I think it's like an hour and 20. So around then, like an hour, 20, hour, 30 of the runtime, like not much happened at all, but it didn't, I wasn't checking, it wasn't in a sense slow paced because I wasn't checking, etc. like, you know, when it was going to be, like when it was going to finish or whatever, or when it was going to, you know, change it up. But it did seem very like I said, not a lot happened in the space and the space that the film, you know, in, in the runtime. So it was really weird. Did you feel the same way, would you say? Because I feel like it was like, realizes he's, uh, realizes his last is pregnant, last gives birth, uh, tries to look after it, then the last leaves, then the weird last in the radiator appears, and then, um, then the baby starts doing weird shit, and then he, and then he has a dream with it or like has it has like has an affair with the person next door then wakes up from the affair or whatever i don't know what happens and stuff. <laughs> then his head falls off and then it's given is like you know what i'm like completely contradicting my statement you know what a lot of shit happened in that film and it was a lot of weird shit i don't know it just made <laughs> me feel really confused it made me feel really really confused that's all i have to say about it there's a a lot it, it's it's good it was a, it was an experience it was fantastic, but and obviously it's it's a it's a classic of horror cinema, you know, David Lynch. But it's true cinema, bro. It's true cinema. Fuck, fuck. <laughs> um, I did like it, but just some of like I said, some of the stuff was just like, what the fuck is going on? Because the reason the name of the film is there is because his head falls off. Then a little boy picks it up, brings it to like a pencil maker, and turns his head into like erasers to put on pencils. 
and I, I, there's going to be some film student that's like, it's a representation of like the cycle of life and how we all get interpreted into this um, form of capitalism where we turn into the things that people use, and it'll be some fucking shit like that. But in reality, you're like, yeah, they've just picked up this, this like, geezer's head and turned it into erasers. Like, what is going on? I did not expect that to happen. I didn't expect it to be so literal. I mean, dude, there's an entire rabbit hole with this. Uh, mm. I really don't yeah. know much about David mm. Lynch. I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. scatterbrained when it comes to it. Uh, yeah. But with a fair amount of it, it's like, there is clearly, like, inspiration and influence for where this is derived from. And then there's other stuff, like the taking this man's head to the pencil factory and having some Irish immigrant turn it into a, an eraser to be used by the British yeah. overlord, whatever. It's like, what? I, like, like, I feel like he's just like, hey, let, let's do this. Why not? We gotta we gotta fill up the runtime. Like, there, I legit just don't know. Time, yeah. I don't know. So he speaks, he's like, he's like, Agent Cooper, Agent Cooper, he's like, because like, he, he, he acts in his films as well. He acts in, um, in Twin Peaks as well. He's, he's, a, he's, he's a pretty good actor, but... He is an he's an odd odd man, and I do appreciate him for. I mean, this film came out. I think it was seventy. I want to say seventy seven. I think. Yes, sir. Seven. I got it on the money. Seventy seven. I just googled it. So this came out in seventy seven, and I do think um, it is experimental, and it is for for the time it was released, and it was an interesting watch, and I do still think it holds up today, and I still think that it's it's a film that you should definitely experience. It's kind of similar to, in terms of me recommending this film, it's the same recommendation that is I would give people when they watch, if I'm, I recommended them Neon Genesis Evangelion. You might not like it, but you need to experience it at least once in your life. It is, a, it is I do think Eraserhead is, it is a really intriguing piece of film. And even if you think, like, what the fuck just happened, I did not enjoy that at all. At least, you know, ah, oh, well, I've watched it. I've watched it now, so at least I can, you know, form an opinion on something so weird and bizarre. And to so, those who made it this far in, something I want, something that sticks out to me is the sound design. The In the <laughs> 70s, they got this much sound as a student. I, maybe he wasn't a student, I don't know. Uh, but just, like, it took years to make this video because of how sparse their ability to actually perform <laughs> was and all these sounds man yeah yeah it's like yeah. all of these sounds it's a lot yeah by regular joes it's crazy you really 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 off-putting sounds as well in linking to that the budget for this film was ten thousand us dollars but at the same time you got to add inflation to that i guess but that's still a low budget to you know what a normal horror blockbuster would be now in it is interesting to see how they worked around that or how David Lynch worked around that. And when I was talking about David Lynch to some of my friends who really like some of Lynch's work, they did say it is probably the weirdest film or one of the weirdest films that he's ever made. So I'm definitely going to check out more of his stuff because I'm a massive Twin Peaks fan and I did like this film to an extent. <laughs> so I think I will check out more of his work. And I do think, like you said about the sound design, he thinks about all the elements of his film and how he can construct a feeling of unease because that that's his main thing he does horrors and he does kind of you know thrillers and he does kind of provide a sense of unease and creepiness and i mean i wasn't essentially scared in this film but it did set me like i was like weirded out that um, uh, can we talk about right we're on like an hour and three so we've only got like a few more minutes but can we just talk uh, slightly about that scene at the start of the film where 
the the mum goes, oh, my daughter's pregnant and you've made her pregnant. You need to cooperate with me to raise the child. And then she just starts giving him hickeys on his neck. What? Why? What was the point of him trying? What was the point in the mum trying to smooch him? Like, do you know? Do you know the part I'm on about? Yeah, I know the part. Yeah. Why? What? Why? What was the point? It's so weird. I mean, if I I don't I should have probably looked this. I just rewatched a lot of the <laughs> parts. I didn't actually sit down to rewatch the whole thing. I'm gonna be brutally honest, but I know exactly that's fair, that's which fair. part you're discussing. It's mm-hmm. like a fair amount of it seems like things. Are that are happening are things that he's imagining in a certain sense, but they're manifesting themselves yeah. to us, the viewer, as though they actually mm-hmm. are happening. And it's like, I mean, yeah. I've, I've got, have you gone, you said you have a girlfriend, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you gone to her house before and eaten dinner with her family? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 And I don't, I mean, I'm not. I am not alluding that her mother did that to you. I don't want to allude to that. But, you know, I mean, maybe you take it better than others, but it's not the easiest thing to do. And, you know, when you're nervous, you, your palms get sweaty, you're nervous, you're, all of these things are going through your mind. Um, uh, some people are just weird. Like, maybe in his case, he found his girlfriend's mother sexually attractive. I don't know. Like, I really just didn't. No, no, but it was her. It was her that. Yeah, it was her that advanced onto him. Yeah, it's like a, a desire manifesting itself uh, when maybe wasn't actually happening. I don't know. Like anything in that movie, I cannot say yeah. for certain whether it actually happened or not. It's definitely a film I want to um, rewatch at some point because I think similarly, I'm gonna I'm gonna compare it to like one of my favorite films of all time, End of Evangelion. I think it's a film that I. If I rewatch it, I will find a new, I will find a newfound love for it because I'll understand it more. And it does fall under the category of there's like two kind of films that are confusing, um, or like confusing films fall under two categories. Sorry, they fall under the category of being confusing, but not interesting enough to rewatch, so it just ends up being a confusing mediocre mess. Or films that are confusing at a first watch, but you want to engage with it further and you want to rewatch it. And I think Eraserhead, despite it being fucking gross and weird, it is a film I, I actively want to understand more and actively want to watch again. So it's been successful in that. And I'm sure after a rewatch, potentially, I will bump my uh, you know rating of it up. But <laughs> overall, I did enjoy it anyway. It was a great pick, so thank you for picking it. It was something outside the box, you know, compared to some of the other choices I got for the podcast. So well What done. were the other choices, I gotta ask? Well, hmm. Just a lot of animated films. I mean, you'll see. I mean, a lot of a lot of animated films, a lot of animated furry films. Obviously, because it's a furry podcast. But yeah. you know, that's fine. It that that's the entire point. And I do love. I mean, Fantastic Mr. Fox again is one of my favorite films of all time. I still and that's an animated that. furry film. So, oh, definitely. Wes Anderson's a genius. I love his work. So, definitely check that out. And on on the you know, on the subject of checking things out, check out Papa Boy's YouTube. And check out Power Boy's Twitter. He makes weird ass trippy videos that take a lot of time to edit. So definitely check that shit out. And yeah. I mean, you're working on stuff constantly. You're kind of improving your work, and I love the stuff you're doing. So definitely check out links in the description. If you want to follow, you know, updates on the podcast, you can follow me at HypeBeastDown on Twitter, or you can subscribe to the YouTube if you're watching on YouTube, or follow on the Spotify and Apple. I really appreciate it if you do, guys, especially downloads. Now I'm getting to the point with the podcast where. I'm kind of looking for sponsorships. I mean, I did say I don't give a shit about sponsorships. I don't give a shit about money because I don't. 
But it would be a nice little addition because I spend a lot of time doing this stuff and I spend a lot of time, you know, kind of working and organizing everything. So it would be nice to get a little bit of a, you know, nice little, you know, monetary bonus to it. And in order to apply for the for the ad program with my host, I need to have 500 downloads. I'm currently on, this is this has been recorded like way in advance and I've only uploaded a few episodes, but I'm on like around 220 or something, which is fantastic. I'm like already halfway. So if people want to, you know, support it, just download the episodes, check it out. That'd be fantastic. And um, yeah, that's basically everything for me. If there's anything else you want to say, anything else you want to plug, Papa Boy. <laughs> Thanks for giving me the time and day to talk. That's about it. No, really. it was a fun, great episode. Great choices. It was just a vibe. So yeah, that's all from me, guys. Uh, thank you very much, and I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>